Chapter Fourteen of the Pony Rider Boys on the Blue Ridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Pony Rider Boys on the Blue Ridge by Frank G. Payton. Chapter Fourteen. The Professor Takes a Hand. Make em dance, shouted the second man. Two revolvers banged. Tad's pony leaped up in the air, for the two shots had been fired right under the pony's hind feet. Before the lad could subdue the little animals, two more shots had landed under the fetlocks of the spirited animal. Stop that, thundered Professor Zeppelin. Oh, don't be alarmed, Professor. They're only bluffing, called Tad. I'll take care of these gentlemen when I get my pony subdued. Bang! Bang! Two bullets fanned the feet of Professor Zeppelin's mount. This was more than the old fighter could endure. He whipped out his own revolver and began peppering the ground under the feet of the mountaineer's horse. It was a turn of the assailant's animals to cut up now, and they did, threatening to unhorse their riders. At that moment, when the professor let go his bullets, the supposed officer was about to fire another shot under Professor Zeppelin's mount, but the pony leaping spoiled the mountaineer's aim. One of his shots bore a hole through the crown of Professor's hat. A bullet from the Professor's revolver fanned the cheek of the mountaineer's. "'Hold your fire!' shouted Tad to his companions. The mountaineer, not wanting to reload, began tugging at his other weapon. Tad drove his pony straight at the man who, by this time, was leveling the pistol at Professor Zeppelin. The Pony Rider boy hit the weapon with his quirt. The bullet went high above the head of its intended victim. The second swing of the quirt was even more of a surprise to the mountaineer than had been the first. The quirt landed on the fellow's cheek with such force as to lay it open and draw blood. Before the man could recover, Tad Butler had grabbed his collar, and the fellow was jerked from his saddle and landed heavily on the hard ground. "'Cover the other man!' shouted Tad. Four guns were pointed at the other mountaineer, who was so dazed over the sudden and unexpected turn of affairs that he had seemed to lost the power of action of any sort. In the meantime, Butler quickly disarmed the man who he had so cleverly unhorsed taking possessions of his weapons and throwing them away. The lad stepped quickly to the still-mounted rider, and walking right up beside him, stretched out his hand. "'Give me that pistol,' commanded the lad. The horseman hesitated. The boys held their breath. They expected to see Tad Butler shot where he stood. Nothing of the sort occurred. The man glanced quickly at the menacing weapons of the pony rider boys, then down into the resolute fearless face of Tad Butler, then shoved the weapon muzzle first into Butler's face. Tad didn't even blink. The other end to you, if you please, he warned. With a grunt, the horseman turned the gun about and threw it rather than handed it to the victor. Now jerk that rifle out of your boot and drop it on the other side of your horse. Be quick. There will be some real shooting here if you dilly-dally any longer. We stood all we're going to take from you ruffians. 
the pony rider boys gave a yell as the mountaineers weapons dropped to the ground by this time the supposed officer had scrambled to his feet he was white with rage and he started for the weapons that tad had taken from him steady my friend warned the professor this weapon in my hand might might you understand go off unexpectedly right about face and get into your saddle mount i'll have the law on you roared the defeated mountaineer then why don't you you say you are the law take us in get out of here both of you and don't you dare show your face again commanded butler and before you leave added the professor let me say that at first opportunity i'll have the sheriff on your tail now go with the howls of the delighted pony rider boys ringing in their ears the two mountaineers rode away as fast as they could drive their ponies now where's your black cat demanded tad with a grin oh he's chasing a two-legged rat through the chaparral answered the fat boy carelessly professor zeppelin wiped the perspiration from his forehead with a savage swish of his handkerchief the scoundrels he exclaimed making a strong effort to control himself the scoundrels i agree with you professor nodded tad it's my opinion that we'd better get out of this country declared walter perkins we shall not i am going on now even if they bring in a regiment to put us out fairly shouted professor zeppelin hooray for the professor three cheers for the professor cried ned the boys gave three ringing cheers and a tiger that will do boys we'll be on our way now said the professor having regained his composure are you going to leave the weapons of those men here dad asked walter yes but i'm going to fix them so they won't be of much use to their owners replied tad the lad after drawing the charges from the guns hammered them over a rock until the barrels of the rifles were bent and twisted and the butts broken rendering the weapons utterly useless he then took apart the revolvers and after damaging the part so the pistols could not be used heaped the remains of the mountaineers arsenal on the rock over which he had broken them i guess those guns won't do any harm grinned the pony rider boy i'm ready for a hike now fellows the hike began at once even chops who had led at the first indication of trouble now came out from his hiding place and mounting his horse joined the procession i reckon we've given those fellows a scare that will last them for a time announced tad after he had traveled a short distance from the scene of the conflict but it is only a near fight after all they hope to frighten us i don't believe they intended to do us harm yes and i'm surprised at you professor reproved stacy why i never knew you were such a savage why if we hadn't restrained you you would have hurt somebody don't ever let me hear you advising me to control my temper the professor interrupted with an exclamation of disgust i wish i knew what was in the wind reflected tad however i don't suppose we shall know the motive for this attack if ever we do you will see that it is some piece of rascality i am of the same opinion agreed professor zeppelin i wish we knew where to find a sheriff or a constable or whatever they may call them in this region why don't you get a telephone suggested chunky the boys jeered yes why don't we demanded ned just the very thing professor 
If you don't mind, I'll run over and call up the sheriff and tell him you discovered the black cat, finished Stacy. <laughs> said the fat boy, chancing to catch the eye of Billy Veal. Billy exhibited signs of panic. Let the guide alone, commanded the professor. We've had quite enough trouble resulting from your pranks. That's right. Lay it all on me. I can stand it. That's what you have me here along for, to take the blame for everything else that the rest of you don't want to stand for. Oh, pooh, can't you take a joke, laughed Ned, riding up and slapping Stacy on the back. You know, we're only taking advantage of you, giving us a chance to have fun with you. This outfit would be as tame as fishing in a washtub if it weren't for you, Stacy Chunky Brown. Chunky regarded Rector with round eyes. Do you mean that, Ned? Of course I do. Hoo-hoo, mocked the fat boy. That's the first kind word I've had since I left my happy home in Chillicothe. Give me your kind old hand, Ned Rector. I may never hold a dirtier one. There, see, you won't let me be good to you. Remember, I try to make amends for a lot of things I've said to you and about you, but you wouldn't let me. This is the last time I try to make up. Do your worst. I will, agreed Chunky, solemnly. You mean you have, called Tad. No, I mean I will. All right, only for goodness sake, don't try it on me. There are indications of gold here. The professor's voice was calm and analytical. What? shouted the boys. Professor Zeppelin was leaning from his saddle, keenly scrutinizing the rocks at the side of the trail. I said there are indications of gold in the quartz rock here. Gold, gold. Let me at it, shouted Stacy. I need some right now. Show it to me. Kindly curb your emotions, Stacy, rebuked the professor, eyeing the fat boy sternly. I need that gold, insisted Master Brown, unabashed. Please hand it to him, Professor, urged Tad, and Stacy will be able to pay what he owes me. Always that reminder of debt snorted Chunky indignantly. What does a debt amount to between friends? This isn't a very honest view to take, Stacy, teased Butler. Honest, sputtered Chunky. Tad Butler, I'm honest and you know it. I owe you a few dimes and, and I'll sooner owe them to you all my life than to cheat you out of your money. But Tad wasn't listening. He was off his pony now, bending near the professor and listening intently to what the scientific gentleman had to say of the gold signs. As the weather is gold enough here to amount to what the miners call pay dirt, the professor continued, I don't care to say just yet. Gold is plentiful in these mountains, yet there's rarely enough of it to find in one place to pay for the trouble of getting it. Show me the gold, pleaded Chunky. Here is color, replied the professor, resting a fingertip on a dull yellow streak i don't see any gold stacy said after a hard stare you're not used to the sight jibed tad now walter's father is a banker and i'll wager walter has seen a lot of it at his bank only a few bushels at a time said walter dryly of course a bushel of gold is a famed sight that's enough that's enough i can't think of such large amounts pints are about as far as i can go when it comes to gold retorted Stacy. Pennies, you mean, suggested Ned mischievously. Chucky gave him a withering glance, then turned his attention to what the professor was saying. 
The professor was chipping away at rock with his little geological hammer, carefully selecting samples of ore, which he tucked in his coat pocket for further examination. Guy, do you think you will be able to lead us to this spot again? Were we desirous of returning here? No, sir, yes, sir. Oh, he means that he could, interpreted Butler. If he couldn't, I could. I can follow any trail that I've been over. Is it so interesting as all that, Professor? Mind you, I'm not saying that it is. After I made a test, I shall be in a better position to answer the question. Guide, has anyone, to your knowledge, discovered gold hereabouts? Yes, I don't know, sir. I never found gold here. Never found no gold nowhere. No, sir. The boy shouted. He's just like Chunky's. Penny or his gate, scoffed Ned. I thought we agreed to cut, to stop using slang, reminded Stacy. <laughs> Ned, Stacy is right. He, he is properly rebuked you this time, laughed Tad. Yes, sir, he did catch me napping, didn't he? Oh, there he goes again, Professor, shouted Chunky. Well, I'm not so sure one would indeed have to draw the line very finely to class catch me napping as a slang expression. As a matter of fact, it may be so, but I should hardly go so far as to characterize it as a such, differed Professor Zeppelin. Ned winked at Stacy, but the fat boy, holding his chin high, pretended not to see the wink. So interested was the Professor in his find that he decided to make camp for the night in that vicinity. Tad and Walter were sent out to choose a suitable site for pitching the tents. They found an ideal spot by a trickling stream of water that oozed from a crevice in the rocks, falling into a natural rocky bowl, almost as if the bowl had been hewn to hold the sparkling fluid. Of course, Tad saw at once that the water had worn away the rock, thus forming the bowl. Many years had been required to wear away all that stone, all of which set Tad Butler to thinking over the wonders of time as well as those of nature. They pitched their camp there that night, but the night was not destined to pass without some further excitement. Excitement had come to be almost a necessary part of the daily routine of the Pony Rider boys, and they counted that day a dull one that held no thrills. End of chapter 14 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan